So uh, I know that there's uh, quite a multicultural thing going on here. So uh, apologies to any All Black supporters. So. Uh, I, I noticed Tino just hanging his uh, head in shame there. Just, I, I, I was going to take a photo of myself doing one of those, those. Uh, you know how they do the whole tongue thing with, with the eyes, and but when a white guy does it, it just doesn't look good. So, like, you know, it just, it's, uh, it's really bad. But uh, I wouldn't say did Australia win. I would say. Did Australia just absolutely thrash the pants? Uh, but 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 we won't go there. So uh, apologies for those of you who don't follow uh, God's sport. So uh, they play union in uh, in in heaven. I'm sure of that. Hey, uh, thanks for having us along here today. It's uh, it's your pastor Steve's fault that I'm here. So, um, so uh, when when he heard that uh, Christine and I were heading over to the United States, so we'll be we'll be there for our, our we've had approval to go there now, um, and that's been probably about a seven month journey for us, uh, uh, being able to get approval to go over there and and actually work. So it's a bit different than just getting like a, a tourist visa. Um, We'll be there hopefully as much as five years. So after that, uh, Mr Trump doesn't want us to be there anymore. So we have to come back home. Um, and that's all good. But when, when we uh, let everybody know that we were heading to uh, the States, uh, Steve just came straight up and just said, look, if you're going, it's like, is there a chance of us having you in, in Griffith before you go? And I kind of said No. Because uh, at, at that point when he asked, we were expecting that we would be in America by July. And um, so, uh, and because we were doing the handover uh, of the church to another leader, so those of you who know uh, Pastor Josh Vangie, um, he's now uh, leading the church down in Hornsby. And uh, because we wanted to do the transition really well, then I was basically saying no to every request to come and speak at a church. Um, so all of this year uh, I've, I've been saying no. And so I said no to your pastor. And, uh, and then when it turned out that we weren't going to be gone uh, in July, so uh, I said, well, look, there is a chance that we just might. And he's just like, we'll, we'll just, it's in, it's booked. So here we are. So uh, if after today you're just thinking, what on earth was that about, then... You can, you can blame Steve. Just, and uh, if the spirit didn't move, it's probably because the salami uh, at the Borderlands house was just too nice. I, 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 uh, I do have something that I want to share with you, though, and it's, uh, it's something that I think is just a really, really important truth. It's something that you may not actually even be aware of as to how important this is. I want to read a, a little passage from Romans chapter 8. Um, and it says this, it says, for the earnest, I, I'll, I'll translate it, okay, because 
Sometimes the Bible talks in language that's kind of up there and you've got to put, translate it into your own language. Um, so it says this in verse 19. It says, For the earnest expectation of the creation eagerly waits for the revealing of the sons of God. For the creation was subjected to futility, not willingly, but because of him who subjected it in hope. Because the creation itself also will be delivered from the bondage of corruption with the glorious liberty of the children of God. Let me just put that into like normal language, can I? So it's hearkening back to the time uh, of the original fall, our, our, our original mum and dad. And it's the one thing that uh, I, I particularly love about being in churches that have got a spread of colours in faces and, and, and hair and like it's just like for me that's kind of like where it's at. It's not because uh, we're, we're actually diff- different in our people groups. The truth is if you go back far enough, we all come back from the same mum and dad and we're all brother and sister. And when there's tension between tribes or nations or people groups, uh, ethnic groups, when there's tensions like that, it's actually a family problem because we're brothers and sisters. And, and so when there's wars on planet Earth, it's, it's, actually, it's really, it just misses the heart of everything because we're brother and sister. And, and those of you who come from dysfunctional families, uh, you will know that family feuds are the worst ones. You know, family fights are the awful ones. Um, it, but the truth is we're all family, all of us. And, and that's, why, that's why we do outreach. It's why, it's, it's why we want our neighbours to find Christ. It's, it's why we send missionaries all over the world to countries where you're not allowed to be. And it, it's because... It's because it's our brothers and sisters who are not in the family. They're, they're not around the family table. And, you know, Jesus' whole ministry is about reconciling people to himself. But I want you to see something in that verse, that, in that passage that we just, that we just uh, read. And I'll put it in my, my Aussie way. It's like this. When humanity fell something happened in planet Earth and there was a decay started to happen in planet Earth. It all started right back in the beginning. So if you know the story of Adam and Eve and, and you know, if, you, if you're just familiar with that, then you know that God said to Adam and Eve, just like, if you eat from the, tr- from the fruit of that tree, you will die on the, on when you eat it. And... and and all of these things will start going wrong because there'll be death in the planet. There wasn't before, but there will be now. And so you're gonna, when you go to work, it's not going to be easy. When you go and till the ground, you're going to have thorns grow up and there's going to be weeds and it's, it's not going to be the garden that you're used to, okay? And this whole thing, there'll be, there'll be a domination, a corruption of power, and so, you know, if you know the story really well, then, then you'll know that spoken to over Eve is that, you know, your, your husband will dominate over you. And that actually is true all over the globe, that you have men oppressing and, you know, uh, the female half of our species um, and not recognising and honouring 
just the otherness of us and how wonderful that is. But, you know, there's this, this awful power struggle that has come upon the world and it all goes right back to the very beginning. It all goes back to our original mum and dad getting it wrong and just going their own particular way, being seduced and sucked in by the devil. But here's the thing. There was, there was in Bible language, there was a corruption of decay, subjection to decay. But everything in our world, sort of like, it doesn't get better. It just messes up. It's really easy to get messed up. Um, and our whole world is subject to that. Now, here's the thing, um, and putting that text that I just read out, putting it in my own language, the whole creation is eagerly expecting something. The whole, the whole creation, the globe that we, that we live on, the solar system, everything, the whole world, you can see that there's, there's, there is a decay at work. Okay, you can see that. I, we've just come from, we had four weeks holiday up in, uh, in sunny, far north of Queensland and uh, it was just really awesome to be up there. But it was only a few years ago that they had Cyclone Debbie. Uh, it's just like, it's, what an awesome name for a cyclone. It's just, I, I'll say that because my daughter is called Deb and, uh, and I just like to have a cyclone named after you. But, but I'll tell you what, don't ever dare call my daughter Debbie or you're going to find the power of the cyclone because uh, that's just such a, for her, that's a real girly way of saying her. It just doesn't work. She wants to be the warrior princess. And uh, that's why we called her Deborah, actually, because Deborah was not just a powerful woman, but she was the leader of the nation. So that's just to mess with anybody who thinks that only men can lead. Because uh, it's just not true. Okay. But right back, there is this, like, when Cyclone Debbie just hit, hit through that place, I mean, it devastated everything. There is, a, there is, there is, it's, it's like the planet is in groaning with ch- childbirth. And that's what it says in Romans chapter 8. It's just like the whole planet is like groaning and it's, and it's not pleasant. And it's looking for something. It wants to be released from the bondage that's, that's over it. It wants to be released from all of those things, like the big hurricanes that hit the, the northern hemisphere and the cyclones of the south, of the earthquakes and, you know, the ring of fire that goes around the Pacific and, you know, just the devastations that happen, the famines, the droughts, the floods, you know, the, the crops that fail, just it, all over the planet, just Everything is just waiting for something to break so that it can be released. And here's the thing. It's waiting for us. I would have thought that the planet would be waiting for Jesus to come back. I, w- I would have thought that it's kind of like if there's decay and suffering in the world, then the answer is for Jesus to come back, yeah? I, like I just would have thought that would be the answer. Like what the planet needs is for Jesus to return. And I would have thought that actually is the Christian answer. What does our world need? Jesus to come back. But in fact, the thing that it's groaning for is for us to understand who we are. It's for us to discover what we're about. It is looking for something. There is an answer for our planet Earth. But the answer for our planet Earth is not found in Jesus coming back. He is coming back, but that's not what the world is looking for. The, the whole planet 
Griffith, the, the countryside, the, the land, the education, the politics, everything. It's not, it's not looking for us to make it into a Christian state or to start legislating Christian ideals. It's looking for us to be manifest. It's looking for you and me to actually be who we were meant to be. And it's, it's looking for the revelation of the sons of God, the, the children of God. Now, we, we sing the songs and we, we get it that we're children. But the truth is, most of us in our heart, though we will call God Father, Father God is probably the remote aspect of God for us in our experience. Because most of us, most Christian people, right across the world, most Christian people... I probably have more of a slave relationship with God. He's master, which he is master. That's what Lord means. So Lord and servant, so that's a, that's a very real and powerful truth. But here's the thing. Our, our Lord, our master is our dad. He's our father. And I've really, I've struggled for some years to figure out a language that I can put on it because if I say father, God is my father. Father for me in where I grew up, father is a very remote word. I would not use father of my dad. So if if I if if I only ever called my dad father, then that for me is a very way of saying we're we're just so far apart. It's just like there's no relationship at all if I call him father. But, so I've, I've really struggled to find something, a language that, that works for, because if I, if, I call, if I call God dad, I'm, which I know some people who do, and uh, it just kind of like feels a little bit odd on my lips. So I've ended up, I've tried Papa. Um, I've, I've landed recently on the Bible one, which is Abba. Um, I'll talk about Abba Father, because uh, that's the Bible one. Hey, just to buy the by, there's, there's three times that you'll see Abba, Father, written in Scripture. One is, one is in Mark's Gospel in, in, uh, at, at uh, the garden, Abba, Father, Jesus prayed it. Um, Abba is an Aramaic term. It basically does mean dad too. It's, a very, it's an intimate father term, but it's an Aramaic language. Uh, once is in Romans, Romans chapter 8, and once is in uh, Galatians. Um, the interesting thing is that the Romans and the Galatians can't speak Aramaic, and yet God is called Abba, Father, in both of them. And so it's kind of like there was a thing for the very first church, they, they talked about Abba, Father, because Abba is what Jesus used to call Father. And so they borrowed Jesus' language because... You know, the disciples asked Jesus, would you teach us to pray? Like, we just, like, you've got something going on in your prayer that we don't have. So we have a very formal relationship with God in prayer, but you've got like a, this intimate thing, and, and, and I want that. Can you show us how to do that? And the way that he, he, he showed us to do that is to do it together Wednesday night, prayer meeting, like prayer is not to be, to be just a personal thing. It's meant to be a us together. Because this, this is how, when you pray this way, 
our father, not my father. It's our father. I can't pray. I can't pray the way Jesus prays without being in a relationship with you, with you, with you, with you, with you. And just like so, have a look around the room right now, and just look. I mean, don't look long at them, but look at the person that you get on least with. Okay, <laughs> look. They're all looking at you, Steve. <laughs> uh, like, like, look at the person that gets gets on your nerve. Okay. Guess what? You don't get to choose your family. They're there whether you like it or not. Deal with it. Okay. Forgive them. Love covers a multitude of sins. Oh yeah, but if you knew what they did, Ian. Yeah. Well. Tough. Sorry. I mean, if it's that bad, then have it out with them. Like, you know, sometimes you just don't confront people who've offended you because, you know, you're just like, no, certainly, like if we're going to be in real relationship with each other, then have it out with the person because you would do that with your brother or sister at home. Like you'd let them know what you're thinking, you know, just if you if your kids you would, you have a look at your kids. They'll certainly let their brother or sister know what they're thinking. But then, like, but just realise that we're family together. Have it out. Let them know what, you, what you're going through and that this is not comfortable and then forgive them, even if they don't apologise. Even if they don't agree with you, drop it. Okay? Doesn't mean that it didn't happen. Doesn't mean that they didn't offend you. Doesn't mean that you're not hurt doesn't mean that God doesn't care. doesn't mean that God, in fact, may not be... doesn't mean that he's not offended even. He might be really upset with what has happened to you, but drop the case. Stop bringing it before God in prayer. Stop, stop, stop holding that against the other person. Just forgive them. Say, you know what, God? As far as it is from my point, I'm dropping it. I'm dropping the case. I'm not pushing. I'm not pressing charges. God, you know, I'll just leave it in your hands. I'm hurting, but I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna for me I'm gonna move on. Our Father, like I mean, we can't pray. That's why I reckon like church prayer meetings are really important that we pray together, because I can't just have my personal devotion. I'm meant to do it with family. You know, I'm meant to link arms with people who aren't exactly like me. And uh, that's, that's like it's really important. But when we've got this disconnect between us and Heavenly Father, a disconnect between us and Abba Father, a disconnect between us and God, our Dad, who loves us and thinks the world of us, then it changes how I view everything that's around about me. When I start to see that I am a joint heir with Christ, it means it means oh so much more than just looking for miracles and healing and stuff like that. It means that I believe for a different world around about me. I believe for different economics in my town because I'm here. I'm... I'm one of the people in this community. Now, I'm not, but I'm just putting myself as you, okay? 
that you are one of the people in this community and because you have the blessing of Almighty God on you, then you make a difference just by having a postcode that is Griffith. You make a difference to the community just because it's you. Not because of what you're doing and not because of you know, how, how great you, you're, you're living your life, and, but just because God has placed a covenant relationship over you, you are blessed whether you like it or not. Like you read all of the Old Testament blessings, no, all dependent upon living according to God's word. You'll be blessed when you wake up and blessed when you go to sleep. You'll be blessed when you stand up and blessed when you sit down. You're blessed in the city, blessed in the country, blessed when you're like you're blessed when you're in your car, you're blessed when you're sitting in front of the telly. You're just like you just can't help it. When you're eating, you're blessed. When you're not eating, you're blessed. When you're asleep, you're blessed. When you're awake, you're blessed. When you're going to work, you're blessed. It's just like you are blessed. Well, I understand it was all conditional upon getting it right. But what we don't realise is that Jesus got it right on our behalf. He did it all for us. I know, I know you don't get it right. I know that you're messing up with different things and it's just all of that is because you don't know who you are. You don't know that you are a person with the Spirit of God resting on you you don't realise that you, your dad, is God of the universe and because you have just now walked into your workplace, you have brought something of destiny and dignity into your workplace. And you might, you, you might be, in, in the hierarchy of your workplace, you might be right on the bottom rung. You know, you have just got, you're, the, you're, you're doing everybody's dirty, dirty work. But you have the Spirit of God. The, the creation is groaning, waiting for you to understand that you are a child. You're one of God's kids. You don't come into his kingdom. You don't come into his courts. You don't come before him bowed down like this. Oh, Lord, look, you've done so much for me. You've done, I'll, like, I'll just, if I could just have this one little piece more. You know, it's just like I, I remember as a kid, you know, there was a movie hit the screen. Uh, I better be careful because uh, I'm about to show my age because this was in the 1960s. How many people were alive in the 1960s? There's not that many. So this is <laughs> Tino's about to just throw his tongue out and have his eyes go back. And <laughs> uh, it's just like... I c- there was a movie just got released. It was called Oliver, and uh, and and there was this. It's about this kid in an orphanage, and there's the famous scene. You, you're sitting down at the table. You get your bowl of slop, and that's it. Your porridge, I think it was. You get a bowl of porridge. That's it. That's your food. You're an orphan. You don't have a mum and dad. We're looking after you from the state. You know, you're just like eat eat your slop, and he finished it. And he, and he did what you're not allowed to do. He went back. He said, please, sir, can I have some more? That's what we, we treat God like that. Please, sir, could I have some more? That's not what a kid does in their home. Come on, it's true, isn't it? Mum and dad, sometimes you've got to put a padlock around the fridge. Because... 
because your kids do not come up to you and say, please, mum, could I have some more? Like, they're just like, that's not how children act in a family where they are loved. It's there, it's the measure of acceptance in a home, in an, in an, in an Aussie home, I don't know what, if this is true around the world in your different cultures that you come from, but in an Australian home, you know when you're really, really, really accepted in the, in, in, in the house because they give you permission to, to use the fridge. It's just like the kids just go and get something out, but the visitors don't. You know, it's just like, uh, but as soon as you have access to the fridge, you know your family. Yeah, it's kind of like, it's just, we have access to the fridge. Come boldly before the throne of grace. In the ancient world, you would go up to the king and you probably wouldn't even go up face forward. You'd go up to the king like this. Haven't you ever read the story of Esther? Esther is going to go up to the king and she's likely to be killed because you're not allowed to do that. Come boldly before the throne of grace because he's your dad. You are not an orphan. He didn't put you under his orphanage roof and say, oh, look, yeah, all right, I'll, I'll, I'll be kind to him. Just like, yeah, because I love him. Just like I can see he's got no home, so I'll take him in. And I'll provide a room for him to sleep in and I'll give him some food on the table. That's not what God has done. In Jesus, God has loved us as family. He's given birth to us. He has desired us. To as many as receive him, he gave them the right to become children of God. Not, not kids born of a, of, of, of a mother and father deciding that they wanted to have a kid. Not because some dad decided, you know, some man decided he wanted to have sex with that woman. It's just like, it just, it did. Children born of God. Like there was desire in the heart of God for us. You know, he loves us. We talk about it all the time that God loves us, but I don't, I think it's one of the biggest revelations that Christians need to get is that God loves you. He actually loves you. He thinks you're amazing. He thinks you're incredible. I could just start picking people out around the room. I don't know why, but he just thinks you're amazing. Just like, he thinks you're amazing. (laughs) He loves red hair. He just thinks it's awesome. It's just like, there's a few redheads here. It's just like, my sons would fit in so well in this church. (laughs) You know, uh, it's, it's like, seriously, he loves us. He thinks we're incredible. He doesn't want us to be quiet. He does. He wants us to be us. And some of us are out there. Some of us, our cultures are very like this. Some of our cultures are very like this. Just like he just wants it all because he wants us to be free to be ourselves. Okay. Our world, Griffith, the education, the school. Um, the commerce in Griffith, the businesses, the people helps, you know, the hospitals, the, the, like just everything, the childcare, every aspect 
of, of Griffith, the cleanliness of the place. I've discovered this. Christians so much, we want to have churches. God wants to have kingdom. So, so we, we have churches and churches are really, really, really important. As I said, I can't, I can't pray unless I'm praying our Father. It means he's praying too. It's just so I have to do that in relationship with other people. So God puts us in families, and that's what church is supposed to be about. It's supposed to be families. It's not supposed to be a, a gathering on Sunday. Church, church is not an hour and a half on Sunday. Church is not the programs, youth group, worship team, you know, small group. It, that's, that's, that is not what it's about. It's about family. Now, we do all those things because that's how families run. But we're family. And we're not, if we're not family with each other, we're, we're, we're actually missing out on something really important. You know, uh, uh, those who are young in, in this church, there are mums and dads around about us that are mums and dads. Those who are older, there are young people here that they need to hear you commending them. They, like, like, okay, so I'll use you and I'll use you. Um, she doesn't want you going down the mall with her and having a boost juice or something like that. That would just be really weird, wouldn't it? Just, you know, who's, who's the weird old lady? Just, you know, but... Sorry. I'm your brother. <laughs> You're just going to have to deal with that. It's just like, but I'll tell you what. If you on occasion just went, oh, like, I don't know her. I don't know you. But if you on occasion just said, you are just an amazing young woman. You've got an incredible future in front of you. Like, I mean, she might just think, well, that was really random. But I'll tell you what. Over time, something gets deposited in there when the mums in this church talk to her like a mum and not just her own mum, and I know nothing about your family, but not just her own mum speaking well, but when other people, and you probably think from within your own culture, my guess is, knowing a little bit of your culture, my guess is that the aunts and the extended, like you've probably got lots of mums, um, you know, that's probably the cultural way that you guys do life is that you have lots of – family is gigantic, isn't it? Um, but when other cultures start talking in too, like, I mean, like we just need to do that. Um, the older guys in the church you – know, sorry to have a shot at the older people like because I may be older than you actually, so I'm, I am particularly – I'm not young. Um, I was born in the 1950s. That's scary. That's really scary. Um, but uh, it was it was a great decade, wasn't it? It was awesome. Just uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Come on, we, yeah, yeah. Like we're in denial about our age, all of us. Just like, it's true. Um, but here's the thing. Just. Just to notice that some of the young guys here are like are in the footy team or 
whatever happens out here in Griffiths, just like cricket. And just one day you just happen to go down there and you're cheering them on. And it's just like, because that's what dads do. Dads, dads believe in their kids. I'll tell you what dads don't do, but unfortunately they really do. But I'm talking about kingdom dads. Kingdom dads don't come up to their son and say, this is how you're getting it wrong, mate. Kingdom dads don't do that. Even when they stuff up, kingdom dads say, you know what, mate? You're awesome. You're a man of God. You've got an incredible future over you. I believe in you. Yeah, but what if I'm going to make a mistake? You'll make mistakes. If you knew some of the mistakes I've made, Pastor Steve would never have asked me to come and speak here today. <laughs> and look at me. God loves me. He's you're like, you're awesome. You're an awesome young man. You're, actually, you really are. I have no idea anything about you. It's just like, but you are an incredible man. I know that because you have created in the image of my dad. And that's just like, that's, that's stunning. You'll make mistakes. Talk to some of the older guys in here. Ask them some of the big mistakes that they've made. And if they're honest with you, you're going to be thinking, oh, strike it. Well, I haven't done that. (laughs) (laughs) I want to read another verse to you. It's it's in Romans chapter 5, verse 17. It says this. I'll put it into English afterwards. It says, For if by the one man's offence death reigned through the one, talking about Adam, if by his mistake death came into the world, much more then those who receive abundance of grace and of the gift of righteousness will reign in life through the one, Jesus Christ. You watch this. There was a moment when Adam ate that fruit. God had said to him, as soon as you eat it, death is going to reign. I just want to tell you right now that as soon as he ate that fruit, it did not look any different than 10 minutes earlier. Suddenly the garden isn't full of weeds. The garden still looked like what it did look five minutes ago. But something fundamental has happened in the world. Death has suddenly taken root. You can't see it. You put, you put a little seed in the ground. Five minutes after you put that seed in the ground, it, nothing has changed but everything's changed. The farmer goes and sows the seed in the ground and ploughs it in. Ten minutes after the farmer gets off the tractor, and puts it away, does whatever farmers do. Ten minutes later, nothing is any different, but everything's different. Give it time, and the water and the sun, just give it time. Before you know it, that paddock's going to be full. But five minutes after the seed was sown, nothing looked different. I'll tell you what, as soon as Adam did that, Nothing looked different. But you go down the track and very shortly there's a murder. And you keep going down the track and suddenly there's people groups separating from each other and and families parting company and you have tribalism and 
and, and ethnicities and, and keep going further down the track and you'll have one people group making war against another people group. Keep going further down the track and you'll start having things like Egypt coming in and conquering a land and putting it under military rule. You know, keep going down the track and you'll have a Roman Empire, you know, where, where, where the people are going to be oppressed and all their money is going to be taken away and sent back to Rome. You know, it's just like keep going farther enough down the track, you start to see what that seed looks like. Adam makes one mistake and he plants a seed that causes corruption and decay. Here's what we don't believe as Christians, is that Jesus, when he died on the cross, is planting a seed. What we don't believe is that that is more powerful than what Adam did. We don't believe that because Jesus died on the cross, that suddenly, like half an hour after Jesus died, the world didn't look any different. They were still under Roman rule. There's still oppression in the world. There's still darkness all over the land. Nothing apparently has changed. The believers are hiding upstairs because they're afraid. Nothing has changed, but everything has changed. Because a little bit down the track, spirit gets poured out upon all people and thousands get saved. A little bit down the track, a little bit down the track. I just want to tell you that if you look properly with the right eyes, you will see this happening. A, a little bit down the track, there's thousands of believers. A little bit down the track, there's hundreds of thousands of believers. A little bit down the track, they're all over the, the Mediterranean. A little bit further down the track, and they're sending missionaries out to, to Africa and the Americas and the, the, the East. And, you know, just like a little bit down the track, a little bit down the track to be right now third of the planet is joyfully Christian. Not just a little bit. Like, you know, and if you want to have the ones that are kind of like, are they in or out? You know, they're sort of like Christian, but they're not Christian. Just like, if you want to include them, it's like it's, it's over half the planet. It's just, a, but it started with Jesus at the cross. It started with a seed being sown and a half an hour later, it didn't look like anything has changed. Here's our problem as Christians in Griffith is that we don't believe that the power of the gospel is strong enough to change the tide of the culture of Griffith. We weren't just called to have a nice church with a nice school. We certainly called for that, but that's, that's going to be like the the visible representation of what God is doing with, with you as a group. But what he's really wanting to do in Griffith is change the culture of Griffith. What he's really wanting to do is change Griffith. But we just think, yeah, but there's so much corruption in and, you know, in the last days there'll be lovers of flesh and haters of mothers and fathers and all those things. We just don't understand that there is a greater principle at work we think that the fall of Adam goes to everybody and so it is just 
unstoppable. The world is going to get worse and worse and worse and we're just going to have to have, wait until Jesus gets back. No, the world, once Jesus comes in, the world is supposed to get better and better and better and better. I'll tell you what, have a look at the history of our planet properly over a long enough period of time and you will see the impact that those who have faith in Jesus have made. Modern medicine has Christian origins. Modern education has Christian edu- uh, 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 at, at its base. You know, like we have influenced economies. We've influenced ways of doing politics. Like seriously, if you look at, if you go back in time, even just a hundred years ago, you would see it's a different world today, and it's a better world today. It actually is a better world today. But if we just say, like if you're my age and you're born in the 50s and you just think, oh, it's getting worse, well, that's only because I'm looking at a really narrow little slice of the pie. I'm not looking at comparing the year 2019 with the year 1419. And if I compare 2019 with 1419, then I'll tell you what, this is a better world, better outcomes in our, our life. Our life expectancy is much greater. My life expectancy is huge compared to my grandfather, and that's in my living time. I, I remember when the life expectancy for a man was about 75. Like, you know, and, and if you get into your 70s as a man, you're doing really good. As a woman, if you get into your 80s, you're really good. Now, if you die in your 70s as a man, it's just like, wow, like what happened there? Like, that wasn't good. You know, we want to rally around and we want to get our medicine together and we want to get our faith and our believing together because it's just like we, we believe in life because that's who we are. Here's the thing that I just want to just uh, stir you up with is that God has a plan for Griffith. God has a heart for Griffith. And I want to tell you something that the planet is eagerly expecting. It's groaning. It's waiting for you to be revealed. Sons and daughters of God to be revealed. People who, who, who are children in the family, who go, to, who go to heaven's fridge. They need some healing, they go and get it. They need some encouragement, they go and get it. They see somebody who's just sitting outside who's a brother or sister who's lost. They go and get them. They see their neighbour who's far from Christ. They go and get them. They go and they pray for them. They share with them. And like even if the door is shut for the relationship with them, they're at least in in their quiet prayer time, they're they're, they're going to the fridge and they're saying, Abba, Father, I've got my neighbour who is so far from Christ. I've got my son who's so far from Christ. I've got my mum or my dad who's so far from my Christ. My brother or my sister, my, my, my aunt, my uncle, my cousins, the person over the street, the person I work with, the person I go to school with. Like, God, they're so far from Christ, they won't even listen to me. But I'm pouring out my heart to Abba, Father, because there is a Holy Spirit that he wants to fill me with and he wants to change the outcomes of people in my world. He wants to change the atmosphere in, in Griffith. He wants to change it all in my workplace if I'm like I'm struggling financially with the company. It's just not working. It's just like it's we're, we're really hitting it like a, against a brick wall. Then 
then other father wants to release a prosperity across the community. What is his heart? What was his heart over this district when he made it? Because this was meant to be a garden. What was Abba Father's original intention with this block of dirt that we call Griffith and its surrounding areas? Because he still got that on his heart. What's, what's Dad's heart? It's not just that people go to heaven. I know that that's what he's after. Steve just said, like, yeah, where's, what's God doing with you with evangelism and you know, what's he talking like? And, and one of the books that uh, Micah uh, held up, it, it's uh, Here Am I, Send Me. Yeah, it just, that book was written just to help you uh, be able to articulate the gospel in a minute. You know, because chances are you're not going to have a half hour with your non-believing friend to share the gospel with them, but you might just get a minute. So like and most people, most Christians don't know how to take that minute and make it work for them. And so that's what I wrote that book for, is just to actually show you how wonderful the gospel is. It's so amazing. And if I just had a minute with you, oh, my goodness me, just a minute. And, and like we could really do something like amazing. We think that all God cares about is that someone goes to heaven. God cares so much more than just that you go to heaven. He cares about you, your physical you. He cares about you. He cares about the aches and the pains. He cares about the sicknesses. He cares, he cares about all of it. He cares about your eyesight. He, he cares about your memory. He cares about those things. He cares about, about uh, your, your home. He may not want to give you the Taj Mahal. But maybe he just wants you to be really start thanking him for what you do have. I heard a preacher just recently, he said, you know, people are just like, oh, I thought by now I'd have like a four-bedroom, brand-new home and, you know, with a beautiful manicured lawn and stuff and, and, you know, with all this nice stuff in your house and you haven't washed up in the last three or four days because you haven't learned how to be grateful for what you have got. Like, you know, go and mow your lawn. It can actually be as simple as that. It's just like, go and, go, go and get the weeds out of your garden. Start, start being grateful for what you have got. Like, you know, I, I don't have the best looks compared to somebody else. Well, well, look after what you got. You know, this is what, this, this is what it is. So feed it right. Look after it. Exercise it. Just like treat yourself good, you know. You're worth it because Jesus died for you. Jesus doesn't just care that we go to heaven. He wants a planet. And the planet is waiting for us. It's not waiting for Jesus. It's waiting for us. It's waiting for us to say, you know what? I'm born again. God is my dad. I have exceedingly great and precious promises over me. No matter how many promises God has made, they're yes in Christ and I'm in Christ. 
So the answer to all those promises is yes. I've got all these things. I need the Holy Spirit. I need you, Holy Spirit, because there's so much that could happen in my life. I need you, Holy Spirit, and we discover that he's pleased to give us his Holy Spirit. He gives his Holy Spirit without measure to us because we're sons and daughters. We're children. We go to the fridge. We've got the table. It's all laid out. It's all there for us. We don't have to beg. You don't have to beg God for anything. His answer is already yes to you because he loves you. You've already got him. He's already said yes. When you first come to Christ, it might not look any different. But give it time for that seed to grow in your life. And in 30, 40, 50 years, give enough time, you're going to be this amazing when you're in your 60s. <laughs> like, like, it's like it's awesome. It gets better. I'll tell you this right now, Jamie. It gets better the longer you hang with Jesus. I am more passionate today than when I first fell in love with him. It's just like it gets better. And guess what? If you were my son, then you get to stand on my shoulders. It gets better for me. It starts brilliant for you, which I think it has started brilliant for you. It starts brilliant and because you got like, look at all these people here. You, you got fathers and mothers around you and they're not literal father and mother, but I'll tell you what, they are. And you get their victories become your starting off point. It's just like, don't know why I told you that. Just because it works for everybody in this room. God wants to pour out his spirit because he doesn't want you to do it on your own. We need to be filled. So, um, Micah, do you want to do whatever you want to do? I would love to pray for some people. And uh, because uh, if 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 you if you are sick or in need, then I want I, I want us to go to the kitchen, to God's kitchen, and I want us to go to the fridge. And uh, you know, like you actually don't need me to take you to the fridge. You're allowed to go there yourself. But guess what? Our Father, the person who's sitting beside you or in front of you, not your wife or your husband or your best friend or stuff like that, but the person who's in three rows in front of you uh, that you kind of just vaguely know, they can take you to the fridge. So, you know, I don't think we should always just let, let the preacher be the one who prays for us. I think we should gather around and pray for each other to be healed, to be filled with the Spirit, but if you'd like me to pray with you, my wife Christine, if you'd like us to pray with you, then like you know, we're here and we would love to do that. If you're sick, you're in need, you need breakthrough financially, uh, you know, your workplace, some of the things that we talked about, you really need it to happen in, in your life. Happy to pray and believe for you and just see what God's going to open up as we open up the fridge together. If you need more of the Holy Spirit, then I'm happy to believe for that. If you're believing for friends, for family who don't know Christ, well, I'll tell you why I'm happy to believe for that one too. There's plenty in that fridge at stake, okay? So can I leave it with you guys? If you would like some prayer...